All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 17, and much like a lot of our favorite teams around the leagues, we are playing a little injured, a little down. Andy, how are you doing this fine evening? I I am doing pretty good. Uh, I've just been wondering if, Paul, you have gotten it as for my last <laughs> request on our previous podcast. Well, I definitely searched for it. Uh, I found some things. I got Ooh. some things. I just don't know if they were it. Interesting. When we were searching <laughs> for it, were you looking for it? Did you stumble upon it? I think it was definitely more of a stumble upon it sort of situation. Okay. Yeah. And I, really? I'm still not really sure what it is, but mm-hmm. uh, when know. when you see it, you'll know it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> What a start. I love this. I love our show. Perfect. Perfect. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we have similar senses of humor because if we did, it would just be – oh, man. I don't even know where we'd be. Our sense of humor is just straight stupidity. It is. It is. It is dry and stupid just – and that's really – that encompasses me, just dry and stupid. Ask, ask Bridget. That's what she would say. Oh my gosh. Oh, all right. This goes down as the best start to our show. Uh, so soccer. Yeah, that's a thing. Yes. Yes. Moving on to what the thing that actually brings us joy where we don't feel stupid or dry talking about. Yes. Uh, Barcelona, I guess we'll start there. Mm. Oh my gosh. All right. Compose yourself. Compose yourself. Get back to it. All right. Here we go. Mm. So. Andy, Barcelona played Real Betis in their midweek game, came out with a nice 2-1 win. Should have been 2-0, but Koundé tried to chest the ball outside of the goal and ended up chesting it right between Ter Stegen and the post uh, to get a 2-1 win. But again, another ugly win. But honestly, Andy, Barcelona were better. They actually scored, mm. scored two goals this time instead of just one for the mm. first time in three straight games. So... You know, they it, broke that duck. Oh, good. They, good. Yes, they, they did. They did. And Andy, I don't know if you remember, but last week I mentioned Lewandowski was going to come out rusty because he hasn't played consistent football since the World Cup due to his suspension. Mm-hmm. And as predicted, he played ugly. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> every, every time he received the ball, he turned it over and it was because of a poor first touch and it, it was just rust. Mm-hmm. You could see it. You could literally see it. But then yeah. late in the game, he came up clutch off of a uh, set piece cross into the box. Ronald Araujo headed the ball down to him, and he slotted it in the corner for a goal. And from that moment on, he had his mojo back. So yeah. that was great That's to see. That's a striker's goal. It was. It was totally a striker's goal. And Rafinha stepped up. He also got a, a big goal, taking over that spot for the injured Dembele. And... Mm-hmm got his first goal in a really long time in league play that is so really great to see yeah it was it was and again it was ugly but it got the job done and then we get into the weekend barcelona play sevilla a lot of storylines here last season Mm. jules kunde who now starts for barcelona mainly at the right back position he was playing for sevilla and there was a heated exchange between sevilla and barcelona Jules Koundé took a ball and threw it at Jordi Alba's face, resulting in a red card for Koundé, and they are now teammates. Mm. Oh, but wow. They were they were back to playing like nothing ever happened. They're, I don't know if they're friends, but they definitely seem quite chummy mm. on the field. 
and yeah. that's... Maybe they learn how to play catch so that it doesn't hit like all, uh, <laughs> in the Jordy Elbow's face. Yeah, I don't oh know. My God. Maybe that's the next. Maybe it was like like father and son. Like you play catch. And it's oh like, my hey, God. let's learn. Oh my gosh, Andy, you're on one today. I love it. I love it. Right. <laughs> I found it, Paul. If you didn't find you, it, you I found, found it. it for you. You definitely I found, found it for, it you, for me. I found yes. it for you, Paul. <laughs> Well, anyway, Barcelona themselves, they were quite chummy on the field after a slow first half with Sevilla playing another 5-4-1. And Andy, that one was Ivan Rakitic, who's a midfielder, was playing the up striker, which didn't make any sense. Wow. I was wondering where Ivan Rakitic went, like just in general. where He went back to Sevilla. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, Barcelona playing against a 5-4-1 took him a while to break down the defense, but Barcelona came back. Three beautiful goals off three amazing assists, and Andy, it looks like the Barcelona of old. We had uh, Frank Kessier holding up play after coming on for the injured Serge, excuse me, Sergio Busquets. Has a nice little drawback to himself, a, a pullback, I should say, to himself, and flicks it with the outside of his right boot between two defenders to a streaking Jordi Alba, who scored. Yeah, Rafinha had it got on the end of a nice ball over the top, held up play so that the attackers could get into the box. Slots a pass on the ground past Lewandowski, who made a nice run to find Gavi at the back post for an easy tap-in. And then Jordi Alba gets on the end of a beautiful looping ball over top from Frankie de Jong. He passes the ball into the center, and Rafinha scores again. So Rafinha's got two goals in two games plus an assist. He's looking like he's got his mojo back, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. And Andy, again, what were Sevilla thinking having even Rakitic as a midfielder play the up man and try to lead a counterattack when he is older, slower, mm-hmm. and not a forward? I and that makes it makes no sense to me because at least from what I remember with Rakitic is Rakitic is a midfielder, so his best assets are finding the pass. He might be the best, maybe the best shooter on the team in terms of finishing, but yeah. you don't want him isolated because that's what happens when they're you don't have a midfielder which Rakitic is so yeah. I'm very very surprised they had him play up front that's a very yeah. very odd thing to do uh it was. still for Barcelona being able to put three against a good Sevilla side like this is still a Sevilla that is well known in the Europa League um and makes Champions League appearances from time to time because of sometimes yep. their their success uh in the Europa League. So this isn't a this isn't a pushover team. No, and Sevilla definitely struggled early in the year, but they were back in in better form in recent weeks. So for Barcelona to get a really good result, a three oh win against the Sevilla side, it was it was great to see. It was refreshing to have a mm-hmm. more dominating win, one where I didn't have to sweat it out at the end, which was Excuse me, yes. which was nice. So, yeah, it's nice when you can watch like soccer and actually not have to be like so intense and saying like we have to hold on to this one goal lead. Um, it's so nice to like ease off and just enjoy the soccer and enjoy the next goals that are going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially after three straight one nil wins. So, mm-hmm. Andy, coming up for Barcelona, they have another top six matchup with Villarreal in a week's time. So. A little less than a week's time since we're recording this on a Monday. No midweek game for them. First time in a while, so they have some time to actually rest up. You know, get some get some juice back in the legs, get a little bit of training in, recover. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be a, an interesting matchup. I think Barcelona are starting to turn in a, a corner again since the the World Cup. 
So it'll be it'll be good to see them back in form and, and see how they do. Another storyline that goes along with with that is that Busquets got injured in the Sevilla game. He was on the end of a nasty tackle, got studs straight to the ankle. Looks like he sprained a ligament in his ankle. Could miss two to three weeks, which might mean he is going to miss the first and possibly the second leg of the Europa League clash with Manchester United, which means that Frank Kessier has has his opportunity now. And he looked pretty decent coming on later in that Sevilla game. So we'll see how he does filling in for that Busquets role. Yeah, that'll be that'll be very interesting because it looks like right now both of these teams are revving up on it and they're looking like they're hitting hitting their stride, hitting their form. Uh, I imagine too, with just the return of Lewandowski, like now Barcelona have that focal point in their attack to yeah. at least like cause the defense a little bit more to think about. So it's funny how, like you mentioned, I think even weeks before of saying why there's so many one nil wins for Barcelona, it's more yeah. that Lewandowski isn't there. So you don't have this focal yeah. point. So that Definitely. is now that it's the midfield and defense are now kind of shoring up. They're solidifying their routines. Now they just add the final piece and it's going to be a really, these are going to be some great clashes in the Europa league. I'm definitely going to be stressing, yes. but they're going to be, it's going to be great football. Absolutely. Great. football. Yeah, definitely. So, well, speaking yes. of that Europa league cl- clash, Andy, what's uh what did Manchester United get up to this week? I saw some stuff in the Twitter sphere and all mm-hmm. over highlights from a certain yeah. player, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious who that uh player is because I would refer to this player as absolute class um even when committing maybe red card offenses. Uh so <laughs> but yeah, United in a similar vein, uh multiple goal wins actually uh the inverse of um what Barcelona did with Real Betis and Sevilla is what we did to Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace. Um Against Nottingham Forest, this was a replay, uh, which we had already won the first fixture or the first game. Uh, I think it was also 3-0. So we were, this is a done and dusted game. Um, but we had, uh, Casemiro still playing and still had a similar team, usually because Ten Hag does not like to mix, doesn't like to throw too much into the mixer on the field. He likes developing, um, specific patterns of play. And so for him, What's important is consistency so people can keep practicing that. So not much not much change in the game. Uh, still won 3-0. Um, Casemiro had a great goal with a deep run from midfield found by Anthony, uh, who had a beautiful like no-look assist playing it into uh, a streaking Casemiro. Uh, he finished that, and he also got a long-range effort as well with Fred, I think, also scoring in, in that game. So pretty... Easy, really nothing to write home about. It was, it was done, dusted, and we will face, uh, Newcastle United in the, uh, League Cup final, the Carabao Cup that's going to be on February 26th. Excited for our first chance to win silverware, uh, in that. Uh, silverware. But, yes. It's real silverware. <laughs> I don't know why there is this double cup, but we get a chance to win a trophy in February. That's going to feel yep. pretty cool if we, if we, if we're able to do it, uh, which I really hope that we do. Um, but the next game that we had, it was on Saturday was against Crystal Palace. This was a two one victory. And this is the first time I think this season where United looked like they were going to have serious, 
serious trouble, I think, ever since the uh, Manchester's first Manchester City game. Um, started off uh, with a very odd penalty given away uh, by Crystal Palace. Not that this was not a penalty, but it was so egregious of a penalty. Um, it was a cross that came, I want to say, from Rashford or from... Uh, someone on our left-hand side. So that's what makes me think it's Rashford, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but it hits a Crystal Palace defender who has his arm above his head, and he's jumping. So he's jumping with his hand in the air, and it hits him in like his wrist. So obviously it has it's a penalty. We convert it. We're done and done and dusted, but we want to get that get that second goal. Get a Great second goal in terms of some interplay, moving it right to left uh, to then to then find uh, Rashford, who just taps it in into the back of the net. Um, that happened sometime in the in the second half. So it's looking like a pretty routine game, Paul. Uh, then out of nowhere, uh, absolute, I want to say chaos ensues. That's what it looked where, like to me. Yeah. So what what happened, Paul, was that Anthony he is on the far right. Uh, he's a right winger, so he's always on the edge of the pitch uh, or the sideline. And someone, I think his last name is Schlupp. Schlupp comes in for a tackle and really just barrels Anthony over. It's like it's a foul. Uh, but what yeah. makes this kind of more egregious is that the pitch of United is actually a raised pitch and mm-hmm. right off the sideline it slopes down in a steep like decline and at the bottom of that decline is a brick step and then some like rubber bits but that means if you get pushed and you don't have your balance you're going to really get hurt like you're going to probably like, at least skin your knee on the bricks like it is not a pleasant thing so Obviously, Anthony is really pissed that he got pushed down and was probably probably got hurt from it in some way. So they start a scuffle. Um, teammates on both sides come in and break up the scuffle. Both Anthony and Schlupp, they get yellow cards. Then VAR chimes into the referee, video assistant referee, chimes in and says, hey, we want you to go back uh, and check out this video. And to see like who else might have gotten cards or might have done some misconduct in that breakup of the scuffle. And when you go back to see this video, you see Casemiro who has his hands placed around, uh, a Crystal Palace defender who was actually the defender or midfielder who gave up the penalty. Casemiro has his, both of his hands around this guy's neck. Um, is he squeezing? No, but he's holding him there. Like it looks like he's trying to hold him on his chest, but he has two hands around his neck. So it's not a pretty picture um, in terms of if you're trying to avoid getting a red card. Uh, so that was an it was an instant red card offense. Um, it's a red card. Uh, I I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, that wasn't a red card. My my only issue is that also during VAR when they were looking at this in the center of the screen. In the actual shuffle, Schlupp is grabbing Fred with one hand and grabbing his neck and shoving him away. And so he's having 
I would say, more violent conduct than Casemiro, who was just gripping the guy's or gripping the guy's neck. But as soon as the guy pushed him away, he didn't. He Casemiro let go of his hands, like it was just kind of just a really awkward place to put his hands. A red card offense. My only thinking is. If Casemiro got a red card, then Schlupp should have also gotten a red card. So then it's 10 against 10 as opposed to 11 against 10. Because again, red cards, that means that player is out for the game. You have to play down a person. So in all that chaos, like a minute after that happens, Crystal Palace get a corner, ball comes in, kind of ricochets around, lands to someone who hits it and Hits it way, way wide of the post, but it hits an onside Crystal Palace player who is able to deflect it in, and now it's 2-1. We're down to 10 men. We, as Eric Ten Hag notices that we're like losing like some kind of balance in the game, he decides to put in uh, Lindelof and Harry Maguire uh, for subs to just really shore up and make sure that like they can't cross in, we can't, and we don't lose this game because now it's 2-1. And we've got, let's say, like 20 minutes still left to play. And, oh my gosh, did Lissandro Martinez and Luke Shaw come out looking like all-stars. They were so incredibly intense in pressuring uh, Crystal Palace that there was a point in the game where Palace couldn't even get to <laughs> our, side of the, our side of the pitch. So they couldn't even try to mount an attack. Martinez was just so smart in every situation, every one-on-one duel he was facing where he is the last defender, knew when to make the right tackle, knew when to usher the ball away, knew when to um, call for his players to help. It was just sublime to see when our backs were really against the wall, playing against 10 men and losing a talisman like Casemiro. Oh my gosh, Paul. Lissandro Martinez, he's, he's the real deal. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm in love with this man. He is incredible and we showed such character in that final in those final moments. So that wrapped up a nice two one win for us after I probably would have had a heart attack if we had ended up tying <laughs> or losing that game. Um so all that to say a very a very good time for United, but we miss uh Casemiro for the next I wanna say three games in the Premier League. Oof. But not in the Europa League. He's going to be able to play for the Europa League. So yeah, that that was a crazy scuffle. I only saw a little video of it on Twitter, so it was interesting to hear your thoughts on everything. But nice to see that United yeah. squeaked out the win and keeps keeps themselves in the in the title hunt. So yes, yes, we're we're trying because yeah, uh, if we go around the leagues, um, we know that Tottenham beat City. Uh, but Arsenal also lost to Everton. So two people vying for the title, they ended up both losing points. So no harm, yeah. no foul for, for Arsenal. Yeah, and honestly, Tottenham looked looked really good and shut down Erling Holland first time in his career playing in the Premier League that he didn't even have a shot attempt on goal or a shot attempt period. So kudos to the Tottenham defense. Harry Kane also became the all-time leading scorer for the Spurs, scoring, I believe it was his 269th goal in all competitions. So it was great to see that. He got a nice nice little standing ovation around mm. the, uh, the the Hotspur Stadium. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Arsenal lose in shocking fashion to cellar-dweller Everton. 
who is a bottom three team who might be going down to the championship at the end of this season. So really interesting to see those two results, especially since uh, City knew Arsenal's results since Arsenal had the earlier game that day. Man City, all they needed to do was at a very minimum draw to pick up points, but a win would have been huge and they can't do it. So, yeah. Um, you know, on your end, Paul, are you, you thinking this is going to be where Arsenal and Man City slip up? Do you think they're one of these teams is going to write the ship easily? Or do you think, um, it's, this is the first step in the Premier League becoming wide open? I think, I think both teams, the Premier League is so interesting to me, Andy, especially as someone who follows La Liga more than the Premier League. To me, the Premier League is a league where anyone can beat anyone on any given day, mm-hmm. which is, I think, unique compared to a lot of the other top leagues around Europe. So, mm-hmm. to me, I have always, I have said throughout this season that Arsenal is going to slip up at some point, and I truly do believe that. What I, I saw an interesting quote, and I don't remember who said it, but someone, one of the figureheads, the, the wig wearers of broadcast television in the UK were saying mm-hmm. that Holland isn't Man City isn't getting the most out of Holland because it's they don't fit him their style don't doesn't fit him as a player and I'm like yeah maybe they doesn't fit him but Erling Holland is having one of the best starts as a goal scorer to this season that we've ever seen mm-hmm. you know that includes yeah. Wayne Rooney Cristiano Ronaldo go back Michael Owen. Mm-hmm. Tyrion Reed mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You know, like some one of the best starts. And I I just don't understand, Andy, why these people decide when a player has one bad game where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's not all that he's cracked up to be. He's he's not a goat. He can't score. He's not getting the best out of himself. Blah, 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 blah. Just everyone settle down. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had one bad game in a in a hotly contested matchup, you know, top five matchup with the Spurs, and the mm. Spurs were just the better team that day. And it's like just oh, just everyone relax. <laughs> Erling yeah. Holland was probably gonna come out and score a brace the next game and everyone's gonna be like, Oh, he's a goat again. Premier League goat. Right. And I'm just like, oh just makes me roll right. my eyes roll my yeah, eyes at it's, them. It's the crazy swing of like at one hand Erling Holland is a robot and he cannot be stopped and they have there have to be rules to not let Erling Holland play so many minutes in a game because he's too good. Now it's oh he is actually a detriment to Manchester City's attack and yeah. he doesn't fit in the system. Which I kind of want to do more research, aka watch more videos about why this may be the case. Uh, but it's just a bad game. Tottenham have historically i think had city's number because i think it was even last season manchester city dropped i think both games to like their two losses two of them were to tottenham so tottenham play a very frustrating style of football and they have very good players so having that playing a low block against pep guardiola you can get smash and grab wins and that's what uh tottenham got here so like yeah, and this is norm. This is normal. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not crazy. and I was, and I was, I was surprised. Pep Guardiola put out four or five forwards in the game. They had Alvarez, Holland, Grealish, and I think they had one more up on the right side with with Holland, <clears throat> and only Bernardo Silva in the midfield. So he went with a very attacking formation, and I think the lack of midfield continuity and solidity 
in in the middle part of the pitch really affected their ability to control the game and create chances. Yeah. I would yeah, I would think so. I think I even heard too that Kevin De Bruyne, I don't even know if he started that game. He he so, did not. He came on as a substitute. Which is which is very interesting in that you have one of the best midfielders in the world. And barring I don't know if he had injuries or if there was some sort of like discrepancy between Pep Guardiola and him, but to not have that, not have that continuity, that's gonna do something. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And once, yeah. once De Bruyne came on, it was a, like a completely different game. It was a switch went and Man City started creating chances again. So yeah. It's yeah. a real head well, scratcher. Yeah. A big head scratcher. And that's, that is the premier, that is the premier league. Right. And it's, it's funny even to see with Arsenal where it's, you know, Arsenal are deservedly the best team to this point in the season, but they still have yeah. a lot of the season left to play. And yeah. on paper, on paper, they're I would still say they are a very good t- side. I don't know if there are a Premier League winning side in the likes of if City can get their act together. That yeah. City team is one of the best constructed, quote unquote, legally constructed. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe legally, maybe legally constructed sides. Um, so. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they can't steady the ship. Does that give United a chance? Uh, but again, we've United's not at the spot where we can say like, "Oh yeah, we'll catch them" because we're so far behind. Yeah. So leaves it very open in in the Premier League. Um, but let's take a let's take a detour uh, to uh, let's go to Italy, where there was the historic Derby della Madonna, which is. The Milanese Derby, where Inter face off against AC Milan, and Inter Milan actually won this Derby, uh, but it was not enough of a victory, uh, or a complete complete victory, because Inter is still second, and Napoli blasted three past uh, Spezia, so Napoli still regain a firm firm foothold in uh, Serie A. So Napoli is yeah. looking strong, is looking to continue from moving from strength to strength each uh, each game. Yeah, and honestly, that was a Lautaro Martinez party. I don't know if you watched any of the highlights from that game, but Lautaro Martinez had like seven shots and scored one and could have had another couple. He was yeah. he was everywhere, defensively, he's, offensively. Yeah. It was it was a great performance from him. Yeah, he's electric. I remember watching him in the World Cup and seeing him come on. He was a huge, huge talisman when Argentina came on. Uh, really just like when, as soon as he started touching the ball and like the shots he was getting off, uh, what he could do with the ball, like maybe jump out of like my seat, uh, when he started playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was good as a substitute and Julian Alvarez taking his place was definitely a shock during the world cup. So it was, it was nice. It's nice to see that he's finding success on the, at the club level again, being a starter. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <clears throat> All right. Let's go. Let's go over to the Alps uh, towards France way. Uh, Paul, what was happening uh, in PSG's realm? Well, Andy, Messi had a really nice week. He had two goals, uh, one against Montpellier and one against Toulouse. I think I'm pronouncing those right. Joe, you're going to have to check me on that. Mm-hmm. But Messi gets a goal in both those games. Probably should have had a couple or in the the midweek game, but they did enough, got a 3-1 win, and are now back at the top of the table by eight points. Uh, if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago, they were down to 
three points clear at the top of the table. So nice to see them extending their lead again. But Mbappe got hurt in their most recent game. Looks like he's going to be out for three weeks with a thigh injury and is going to miss the first leg against Bayern, which is a huge loss for them. Mm. Neymar has also been hurt, but it looks like he's going to be back this week. So we'll have to see. Time will tell with them. If, if Messi continues his good run, good run of form, he's had 10 goals and 10 assists so far for PSG this year. So nice to see that he is contributing more than he did last year. Last year, he only had six goals on the entire season. So it looks like he's adjusted to the new league a little bit better than last year. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know, Andy. We're going to have to see. PSG is a head scratcher right now. You just never yeah. know what, what team's going to show up. Yeah, exactly. And I know, like, they are, like we've said, they're the Champions League team. And if they have their one talisman who people are probably going to put their bets on, if PSG are going to beat Bayern Munich, it's going to be through Kylian Mbappe. If he's not able to be there, then what kind of PSG team is going to, going to turn out? So it'll yeah. be, it'll be very interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, let's go across the Pyrenees, uh, back into Spain. What's happening? Uh, along the lines of uh, Barcelona's rivals. Well, Andy, it's another great weekend of football because Real Madrid mm-hmm. lost in shocking fashion to Mallorca. Yeah, a 1-0 win. I don't know why Kareem Benzema, <clears throat> excuse me, Kareem Benzema wasn't starting. He might have some injury issues, but Carlo Ancelotti did a lot of resting this game. He rested the likes of Modric and other key players. And it really showed. Mallorca got a squeaked out a 1-0 win. Um, Marcos, uh, excuse me, Asensio had a chance with a penalty kick to tie the game and missed it poorly. Well, I shouldn't say mm. missed it poorly. He He shot it, just didn't get it wide enough into the side netting and the keeper for Mallorca came up with a really nice save. So they dropped yeah. points and they are now down to eight points behind Barcelona, which since Barcelona has been playing as well as they have and haven't been giving up goals are going to be really hard to beat in the league this year. So really great to see yeah. from a Barcelona supporter standpoint. Yeah, that sounds great. Especially like you said, with uh, Barcelona's defensive record, they're looking strong on the back. So they're not necessarily going to slip up a goal. I think more, more of the issue would be is can they attack and can they create? So it'll be a nil nil. Yeah. If it is drop points, it might be more on the attacking side as opposed to the defensive side. And from what always carries over is defense wins championships. So yes, sir. that'll, that'll be the case. Um, so. That kind of rounds out uh, our leagues that we're uh, appear- or covering for this week. Um, and as mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, we'd like to introduce a new feature where, as you guys know, my team is Manchester United, Paul's team is Barcelona. 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 And we have decided to do this a little feature where at where Paul and I are going to give our review of if United and Barcelona faced off this week, who would win or what would the score be and why? Given where our teams are at, since we're both on the ascendancy, uh, but just given where our teams are at and where the rest of the leagues are at, we are then going to weigh in on this week uh, what we think our score prediction would be. 
uh, in a game between these two two powerhouses, which will actually happen in a couple of weeks. But to tease yep. you, where if you think so, Paul, I'll ask you if United and Barcelona played midweek this week. Let's say they played the Europa League clash. What do you think that score is and why? So we're pretending that Casemiro is able to play in the Europa League clash, right? Yes. <clears throat> he's he's able to okay. play in the Europa League clash. Um, Lissandro okay. Martinez, and actually, he's not allowed, but that would mean okay. Busquets, like, as it is well, right now. As, our, as it is right now, now. Okay, so, so Busquets is injured. Dembele is injured mm-hmm. as well. I personally believe United would win 2-1 since they have mm-hmm. Casemiro. And since Barcelona is missing their their centerpiece in the midfield, um, I think Lewandowski would get a goal. But based on how Manchester United have been playing, and I think Barcelona being without Busquets on the quick turnaround without having the ability to adjust to it, mm-hmm. I think United would win 2-1. to one. I think that storyline is going to change when the clash comes in a couple weeks' time because Barcelona mm-hmm. will have adjusted to being without Sergio Busquets. So... Mm-hmm. But I think if they were to play on Wednesday this week, I think United would win 2-1. That is very interesting and very, very courteous. So I th- I thank you, Paul, I think for, it's honest. for that. It's it, honest. I So it's really interesting because I I would say maybe I'm favoring United, but that's only because – I honestly, I don't even think it would be – we'd be able to get two. I think it's going to be like a late – It'd be a late equalizer from, or not late equalizer. It's going to be a one nil win for United with mm. a, I want to say a 70th minute, uh, goal from Rashford because I would just think he's of any player between the two teams. I think he is the most on form player and he's playing world class level. Um, so I would pick him at this point over a just returned Lewandowski, but yeah. I yeah, and still see the attack of Barcelona and that that gives me ponder and Barcelona's defense also gives me ponder. So that's why I don't think yeah. I can't see two goals, but that's fair. Yeah, I mean honestly, I think it it's it's going to be really interesting when that clash happens in 2 weeks time. Oh yeah. We're going to have I think a a Barcelona United only special and mm-hmm. break that game down for a good amount of time. I have I have some points to make and <clears throat> excuse yes. me. Yes. So it'll be it'll be interesting, but you know, I, I like this this new segment. I think we should call it Barca uh Barca or United. That should Yes. That should be the segment. Love it. We'll do the Barca may have the Barca or United that is now officially stamped in uh with our yes. feature. And that brings us to our second feature of the super subs. So I'll ask you, Paul, who is your super sub of the week? Well, Andy, I got to give it to Barcelona midfielder Frank Kessier, who came on in relief of the injured Busquets. He came on in about the 20th minute, had 70 minutes to get some work done. He kind of disappeared for the middle part of the game in the first half, had a nice one-two kind of chop between his two feet to get around a defender and should have shot, but decided to play a pass instead. Um, Showed Mm. some nice skill, but then later in the second half, got on the end of a ball into the box. He was playing more of a center forward position. And he, like I mentioned earlier, played in a very nice pass on the outside of his right foot to a streaking Jordi Alba, who finished the first goal of the game. Nice to see him kind of get the monkey off his back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
work some of that some of that magic that we've been looking for out of him. So, and with Busquets being injured for a few weeks, he's going to have the opportunities to step up and play some, hopefully some good football. Yes. So yeah, that's definitely a good, a good sight to see with Kessier coming in, showing a little bit more mobility and seeing what he can offer on the offensive end. So that is, that is very exciting Uh, for, for my super sub. I actually, I had a hard time choosing uh, one because there was a man uh, named Jordan, I think his name is Saibachu, uh, who got the go-ahead goal against, um, I think it was Mainz, uh, playing, and Saibachu played for Union Berlin, and is actually keeping Union Berlin in a title hunt, um, because as you probably have noticed in our past, uh, podcast, we have always skipped over, um, the Bundesliga, because we had thought that the Bundesliga is always taken, is always going to be, uh, Bayern's, uh, to win, and there's never any, ever any competition. So he's gonna, so Jordan Sabachu is going to be, uh, my super sub of the week, the one half, and the other half, I'm gonna show some love for Harry Maguire on United and say Slabhead came in, didn't give up a goal when he was on there, so good to see him getting minutes, uh, for potentially his, uh, departure in the summer. Um, but speaking of um, <laughs> Union Berlin and Bundesliga, uh, because of this crazy oversight, um, which when we looked into it, we found that uh, Germany actually has the best title race of all the leagues or the top five leagues because the top six teams are within six points of first place, meaning that – and Bayern is leading, but there is only, there's one team beneath them and that's one point below them. And that is Union Berlin. And as you go down, each team of the top six teams is only one point behind the other. So legitimately, if Bayern Munich has a bad week and loses two games, the sixth place team could potentially become the title. The first place like, team. Yeah, become first place. Yep. Which is wild. Yeah. And because of that, I have to nominate myself as the super dud of hey, the week for never, never noticing this. Don't, <laughs> uh, don't leave me out of that. I think it's us. Both of us get a super dud of the week for that oversight. Yes. Also, shout out to our one listener from Germany who consistently listens to this podcast on a weekly basis. Please reach out to us. Let us know what what more we need to cover of the Bundesliga yeah. on a if, weekly basis. If you can chat us what is I am sorry in German because uh, I don't know German. Um, I believe Germany does have a word for I am sorry. Uh, so <laughs> if you could pass that on, yes. that'd be amazing because um, yes. I would want to say that. Uh, so – that is my my nomination for super dud of the week. Um, granted that Manchester City have a hundred charges thrown against them by the Premier League as of this moment. Uh, that's going to be have to be a whole other thing. Um, but we've always knew that. So Manchester City has always been a super dud. So this week, yes, super dud for me <laughs> is myself. Paul, who is your super dud besides yourself? My super dud of the week besides myself is the Sevilla management team. For giving mm-hmm. Jordan, uh, one of the players for Sevilla, a 500-word essay front and back piece of paper on changes to their formation and where players were supposed to go during the game with Barcelona. The camera kept cutting to him, Andy. He was still reading the sheet while Barcelona had possession. And in trying to get those adjustments out, 
five minutes later led to Gabby's goal in the 70th oh, minute. Man. So it was hilarious. So, go go back and watch the clip, all you guys yeah. and Andy, if you didn't see it. It's 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 pure comedy. I I need to see that because this is wild to me that you have someone that is reading uh, reading on the pitch. Is that what's happening? Is yes. he's reading? Yes. Yes. Oh my! It's exactly what's happening. What? And is Jordan Jordan? Is he a goalkeeper? Is he a defender? No. What? He's a mid. He's a midfielder. Midfielder slash defender, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm yep. flabbergasted. Uh, yeah, I'm wa- yeah. I am watching this now because that is absolutely insane, absolutely yep. insane. Oh my gosh! Because there, there's a thing where if it's for penalty shootouts, that you know the coaching staff will slip a bottle to the goalkeeper that'll have notes on where uh, the penalty kicker usually likes to take his places or usually there's like beforehand they'll have like a little tablet uh the management team will give to a player and be like on these situations this is what kind of happens and this where why don't you go in corners and stuff and then that's relayed down but to get an essay in the yep. middle of the game for five minutes for him to read that that's like what's that's like <laughs> it's so good it's so that's good like a just go back and watch game. it Oh my yeah. gosh. It, Insane. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Insane. It's so, okay. so good. Well, that is, that is perfect. And that is a perfect way, uh, to segue the end of this podcast while I go to watch, uh, Jordan read, uh, in the middle of the game. Uh, but thanks to, thanks to you all for, uh, your, uh, continued support of the podcast, uh, coming up with different features. Uh, please let us know. Uh, what you think or who you think would win if it is Barcelona or United this week if they had to play, uh, as well as send over any other features um, that you would like for us to cover in this segment. Uh, but that is going to be all for now. Uh, I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, I'm going to wish you all a very big old bye. Bye.